Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Blind Boys Politics here with you for this Monday morning new show. Nicholas Rod, Chris Baker here with you today. That's right. Chris is back. And Chris, start us off by giving us a little bit of an update on the weather. In Los Angeles, California, is partly cloudy in 72. In Houston, Texas, is also partly cloudy in 84. Chicago, another partly cloudy in 61. In New York City, it is raining in 52. And by gosh, it's raining right here where I am right now. Aww. Ain't that just crazy? <laughs> and now, Nick, I was here Friday. But, you know, technology, as I think we've discussed, is not always on my side. Mm. So our episode that was Friday went a little bye-bye. It, it went a little differently than, uh, <laughs> than normal. But I do have to give you credit where credit is due. Because, you know, you're like the night owl and I'm like the early riser. So after you discovered the issue because you were going to edit, I was already in my wonderful sleeping wonderland. So yeah. you just improvise. So, you know, I have to give the king of good news a round of applause. Well, I mean, you know, it's like I said in the in the uh, Friday episode, you know, this was kind of a combined effort at the same time because you and I discussed, um, you know, in, in case of situations like this, that, you know, we do go to that good news format. You know, of course, we've done it before on on Christmas. That was that episode was intentional, mind you. But you know, we decided that if we ever did needed to just improvise real quick, um, that we'd we'd go to the good news, and it turned out it, it worked out really well. So, nevertheless, since Friday's show you don't know about, we're just gonna like. Re-read the show and just do that now and combine it all together into one beautiful show and you know we'll pretend like that never happened yep we're starting fresh uh clean slate and we're ready to go and since we have so much news this monday we've decided to skip the talk of the talk still need a better name for that but <laughs> we're gonna skip that for this week and we'll be back with it next monday but to start off just like every monday we have a covid19 update and we will start off with the vaccinations over 112 million people have got their first shot and 66 million people have been fully vaccinated which comes out to about a fourth of the population an estimated 40,000 children have lost a parent due to covid19 so far Turning attention to cases, the latest seven-day average that we have um, was 64,000 cases. Uh, The latest seven-day average for deaths is right around 711. Uh, Currently, there are 66,000 vaccination sites approximately across the country. And studies that have recently come out have shown that about one in eight people in the last year have been um, diagnosed with anxiety, depression, or other uh, mental health illnesses after being infected with COVID-19. And this is mostly in younger adults. 
that's all we have for the COVID update for this week. Now we move into day six of the Derek Chauvin trial, which would have been last Monday. The chief of police from Minneapolis, Madaria Arredondo, did testify on Monday, and uh, he condemned Chauvin's actions, and we have a bit of audio from that right here. You to apply that level of force to a person proned out, handcuffed behind their back. That that in no way, shape, or form is anything that um, uh, is by policy, is not part of our training, and it is certainly not part of our ethics or our values. He told the jury that all police officers are required to to know the policies, and this you know also goes hand in hand with knowing de-escalation tactics. They're they're required to know both, and. He would know this. The police chief was a police officer before he took the position as police chief. Arredondo did release a statement saying Mr. George Floyd's tragic death was not due to a lack of training. The training was there. He goes on to say what happened to Mr. Floyd was murder. Now, the doctor that pronounced him dead at the hospital did testify and say the cause of Death was most likely a lack of oxygen, and the defense took more than an hour trying to pick apart the chief's testimony, saying at the time the knee choke restraint wasn't against the force's policy. This brings us to day seven or Tuesday. So Derek Chauvin's lawyer claimed that he was doing what he was trained to do by Jersom. Jersom told the jury that Chauvin attended the class back in 2018. Jersom went on to, to say that he made it clear during the class that you want to watch out uh, for the neck when doing a hold like this. You want your knee to be on the shoulder, not the neck. An L.A. force instructor who works in one of the toughest neighborhoods in L.A. testified and called Chauvin's actions excessive. On Wednesday, the prosecution deflated the defense's argument that the cause of death was drugs. The defense says it was drugs in a heart condition, not Chauvin's knee. Uh, the, the autopsy shows drugs were found in his system, and the prosecution will have to explain why drugs were found in his system and a 2019 arrest for a similar reason for what led up to his death. Now we get into Thursday, day nine of the trial. Martin Tobin testified and told the jury, plain and simple, what happened to George Floyd. Uh, In the audio, we have a bit of that here, and we will play it now. Mr. Floyd died from a low level of oxygen. And he believes Floyd's death was like this. The brain is responding to the drastically low level of oxygen. Tobin says Floyd being handcuffed and in the 
prowl position while being sandwiched between the officer and the road overworked his body. Shortly after Floyd goes up, and we have a piece of that audio explaining that here. Fine to ju just try and get air into that right side of the body. Tobin estimates there was about 91 and a half pounds on his neck. He then showed the jury where he believes um, Mr. Floyd came on, became unconscious. And then after that moment, he says his knee was on Floyd's neck for another three minutes and 27 seconds. Even though this testimony went on for hours, the jury showed to be very much paying attention and taking notes throughout the testimony. On Friday, Dr. Andrew Baker took the stand and told the jury that while uh, drugs and heart disease did play a role in George Floyd's death, the actual cause of death was Chauvin's knee on his neck. And this was actually listed on the death certificate. Uh, Dr. Baker listed drugs and heart disease as contributors, but not the cause of the death. Uh, the defense continued to focus on drugs in his system during cross-examination. The prosecution is set to rest their case early this week, and at the moment, all eyes are on whether or not uh, Derek Chauvin will be asked to testify. Transitioning into a little bit of stimulus news, you may have filed a rebate credit on your 2020 taxes to get your missing stimulus, either the first one or the second one, but you may get more or less back, and that recalculation may cause a delay in processing your tax return. When you file your 2020 taxes and claim the recovery rebate credit, if you're eligible, the IRS will issue you your missing stimulus payment. But because some people claim to and come to find out they didn't actually qualify or miscalculated the amount they were owed by the IRS, they needed to correct these issues automatically. Then it send, then the IRS sends you a notice explaining the changes. And then guess what? This causes a slight delay in your tax return processing. The IRS says that the most common rebate credit mistakes they've already had to uh, fix include the individual was claimed as a dependent on another person's 2020 tax return. The individual did not provide a social security number valid for employment or the qualifying child was age 17 or older on January 1st of 2020. And also math errors related to calculating AGI and any economic impact payments already received. If the IRS changes your recovery rebate credit amount, you'll receive a notice the IRS says that you need to read that notice carefully, then review your 2020 tax return and the economic impact payment requirements. The IRS is issuing plus-up payments and more are coming. If you are wondering what a plus-up payment is, you are in luck. We are about to tell you. If you're missing a stimulus payment or got the wrong amount, you'll be 
receiving your PLASA payment. And PLASA payment are supplemental EIP or economic impact payments for the third stimulus payment issued to qualified Americans who are owed additional money based on 2020 tax returns. The IRS says they started to issue millions of these so-called plus up payments to two specific groups. First off, those who received EIP3 based off of their 2019 tax returns, but because of a significant income change or added qualifying dependent on their 2020 taxes, uh, it was determined when they were processed that they were owed more stimulus money. The other group was those that did not have their information on file with the IRS, but after processing their 2020 returns, it was determined they also qualified for a stimulus payment. The IRS says that these plus up payments will continue to be issued weekly as more 2020 taxes are processed. They will continue to be distributed by direct deposit or check. If you haven't received your regular stimulus payment, the EIP3, and you qualify, the IRS has said that those payments will continue to roll out. On the flip side of that, 25 million EIP3 payments were issued at the end of last week, bringing the total number to 156 million payments have been issued since the American Rescue Plan was signed into law last month. Again, this is not a new stimulus payment. This is money for people that have not received EIP3. These payments started processing April 2nd, so you may have seen that pending in your bank account, but April 7th is the day was actual payday that people got it. The largest chunk of payments went to those on some sort of government assistance like SSI or SSDI or retirement survivor. Along with this, more than 1 million plus of payments were also included in this batch, and the majority of these EIP3 payments were direct deposit, and 1 million checks were sent in the mail. And VA beneficiaries will get their stimulus April 14th, which is Wednesday. Now we have some news for you regarding health care. If you're interested in getting health care, then this might be the best time for you to visit healthcare.gov. And this is because significant new federal subsidies are now being offered for all kinds of plans at all kinds of income levels. This definitely is and will impact millions of Americans. All of this is a result of the American Rescue Plan. Um, and these subsidies were set to be available at the beginning of April. And here we are. We are now in April. If you fall into certain Income brackets on the scale, you might qualify for $0 health insurance premiums. And yes, even if you haven't been insured before or want to switch plans, even if you make too much money and didn't qualify for federal subsidies in the past, you may actually qualify for one now. These subsidies will last two years, 
but the window to sign up is closing August 15th. To check out the new cost and how it may impact you, go to healthcare.gov and either log in or sign up for a free account. Now, keep in mind, these states have their own healthcare exchange, California, Colorado, Connecticut, District of Columbia, Idaho, Maryland, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Vermont, and Washington. So if you live in one of these states, you'll be redirected to those or individual state exchange sites. President Biden signed a new executive order last week. But before we get into that, we have some uh, a bit of a reminder that we want to give you all beforehand. Executive orders can only be enforced by a president. They can be upheld by the next president, but they can also be overturned by the next president. And executive orders, as, as we've stated previously on this show, are no substitute for legislation passing through Congress. Speaking of legislation, the House has passed two bills each arms background checks on all firearm sales and gun transfers, including between private parties. The other one, HR 1446, expands background checks in the review period from three days to a minimum of 10 business days, closing the so-called Charleston loophole. This loophole currently allows the purchase to proceed even if the background check isn't done in three days. In neither of these bills anywhere, does it include um, the confiscation of firearms nor preventing someone from legally purchasing a firearm. Both of these bills still need to pass through the Senate and could very well come up uh, for debate later this month. Now, what is in the executive order that President Biden signed is a couple of things. In 30 days, the Justice Department will issue a proposed rule that would classify so-called ghost guns as firearms and close an existing loophole so the pieces in the kit have serial numbers attached and background checks will be conducted on those who buy the kits. Then in 60 days, the Justice Department will issue a proposed rule that would classify the use of stabilizing braces on pistols, um, it would turn them into lethal rifles. This would subject the braces to the same requirements under the National Firearms Act as other accessories such as silencers. Then in 60 days, also the Justice Department will publish model red flag legislation, making it easier for states to adopt red flag laws. These laws will allow family members or law enforcement to get a court order borrowing someone in crisis from obtaining a gun if that person is in danger of themselves or others. The president also ordered existing money to be awarded to communities to support violence intervention programs. The president said that all these rules are based off of existing laws. Uh, for example, the 1934 National Firearms Act and are completely consistent, he says, with the Second Amendment. 
He also urges Congress to pass its legislation on guns. Gun advocates do disagree with all of this and will most likely pursue legal action to stop it. Now it's time for some rapid news. The Amazon union vote that we talked about last month in Alabama voted against it with more than half voting no. And also Prince Philip did pass away at the age of 99. Alrighty. King of good news. Let's hear your Monday morning good news. All right. So this is a bit of a shorter story for you guys, but I figured that I would still share it because it's just kind of crazy in my opinion. So in Georgia, there was a restaurant um, that got broken into. Uh, the front glass door was just smashed in, and uh, security footage showed that it happened. I believe it was like around 4 a.m. And um, the burglar only got away with some, you know, some change, not not a whole lot, little cash. But beyond that, nothing more, because they keep everything else locked down. But, you know, of course, it it could have been a lot worse. But instead of being angry, instead of, um, you know, pursuing legal action, calling the police, anything like that, the restaurant owner actually posted on Facebook um, for the burglar to come back and, you know, and contact him. And they'd sit down and actually talk about uh, giving this burglar a job at the restaurant. Um, You know, his mindset was that whoever broke into the place is clearly going down uh, some kind of dark path and and is going through some kind of issues and wanted to help. And there was one quote from this that, that I just had to read. Uh, that that just really caught my attention from the owner. The quote that he made was, I can't fix the world and I can't save the world, but I can make a difference in one person's life. And this happened on Easter weekend and he he just felt that he had to step forward in this way. Um, You know, there hasn't been any word at this time whether or not uh, anything did come of this. But it's it's such a uh, an amazing story. See, I love this story because you know he could tell the police, "I want you to find him. I want him locked up." But he's given the um, burglar the benefit of the doubt. You know, he's going through a hard time. Maybe he needs a job. Let's discuss this. You can't continue going down the path that you're going. You know, it it it's a really bizarre good news story. But it's a really good news story that the owner has given him the benefit of the doubt, trying to help him out get him on his feet. It's honestly quite amazing um, the compassion that you see from this restaurant owner. Um, it's rare. It's rare anywhere you go. You won't see this often. And and this did this post on Facebook did catch the eye of other people who have now said that they will be eating at uh, that restaurant more and will become regular customers there because of, you know, compassion like that. Um, You know, they feel after something like that, obviously this owner clearly uh, cares about 
people, whether that be customers or, you know, even burglars, you know, it's amazing. It really is. It's an excellent story, Nick. Good job, as always. And that is the end of this Monday morning episode. Stick around for Wednesday's Dumb Wobble. Until then, make sure you read all of our Medium articles of the latest news that we don't get to cover here on the podcast. Make sure you follow us on the Blind Boys Politics Twitter account for the latest 24-hour breaking news. So you're always in the know. Follow us on our personal accounts so you know what the heck we're up to. But until Wednesday morning, see you later. Have a good start to your week. Bye. Later, guys.